Have you heard of Modare? They have some of the safest products on the planet, free from over 3,000 harmful ingredients. They send me product specials and birthday surprises, and every time I order, I could win a Modare Escape from the rewards program. The easy-to-use app means I can order anywhere, anytime. Give it a try. Download the app. Use my promo code, 3 i 6 W8K and get $10 shopping credit on your first order. Share with friends and they get $10 as well. Modair, stylish, safer, smarter. Modair is a proud sponsor of ABA 101. We have lots of athletes using their liquid bio cells like former NFL player Willie Harper. Have a look for yourself. You can either go to www.modair.com or www.modair.com.au. Use our show promo code 3i6w8k. Get $10 off on your first order. It costs you nothing to look. You're listening to ABA One on One Podcast. Hey guys, it's time for a new episode of ABA One on One. Open up, yeah. Open up now. Welcome back to another ABA one-on-one. Uh, sorry, what? Second one for the year. Uh, we slowly getting back in the groove. Got Rick with me. And uh, today's special guest is uh, Johnny Dawkins. Uh, Johnny, welcome to ABA one-on-one. Let's talk basketball, my man. Okay. Looking forward to it. Okay. Okay. Rick, we're going to let you dive in, man. Cause I, whew, you just like, I know you've been, you, you got the pen and paper <laughs> out. You, you can't wait oh, to get into this. I've been, Hey, I'm doing my research. I knew a lot about Johnny Dawkins, but I know a lot more now because I've done my research. Bro, you done call, you called me three times two days in advance, so I know you're ready for this. So here we go. Oh, yeah. All right, go Johnny, ahead. Johnny, I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention these two big wins you guys have had at UCF the last two games. Talk a little bit about how, how important these two games were. Well, those games are really important for us because – uh, one, we went at the buzzer versus East Carolina, which was a great win for us, the way we closed the game. And then, of course, you know, last night, you know, a good win versus a good Cincinnati team. Uh, you want, as you know, Rick, you want to be playing your best basketball when it means the most, and that's February and March. And so for us to establish ourselves and get, get you know, a number of wins consecutively during this time of year as it gets more difficult, I think will give us some momentum going into our conference tournament. Yeah, that that game against East Carolina, I happened to be watching that on TV. That last second play that you ran for that three, I think was pretty pretty good, and that that was really worked out well. Well, no, it, I thought it was good. You know how it is; you can draw things up, and you know, just all the matter of a young person <laughs> making a shot. And and I give the young man a lot of credit. He's a very confident player. He was having a really good game, and uh, so we tried to put him in a position where he could get the last shot for us. And he showed a lot of poise. You know, we had like 2.6, 2.7 seconds on the clock. And, yeah. and a lot of times a young player will rush and hurry because they don't think they have enough time. And so in the huddle, we talked about just, hey, take your time. You have a lot of time to get the shot off. So if you can make the catch, just don't rush. 
And uh, he did. He caught the ball. You could see him size his opponent up, and, and he just raised up and took the shot. And, he, and he's a pure shooter. So when he left his hand, I felt good about it. And, of course, he knocked it down. Awesome. What, what, what a great game, though. The game, I watched the game. It was what, a, what an unbelievable, entertaining game it was. But uh, that's good. Uh, before we get into you, Johnny, uh, let's talk a little bit about you guys going into the new conference here. You guys going into the Big 12. Uh, CJ, that's out in your area. That's out in Oklahoma. Yep. Well, we're excited about going into a new conference, of course. I mean, uh, it's, it, you know, quote unquote, power five conference, which means it's, it's a high major conference. Uh, you know, our, our players are excited, our community, our university, you know, the city of Orlando, everyone's very excited about it. So it's a huge opportunity. And it says a lot about, you know, where our program and where the university has come from over the last, you know, several decades, just how fast it's it's made a ascension to the to one of the best conferences in the country. So we're excited about it. Uh, recruits are excited because, as you know, Rick, everyone wants to play at the highest level possible. And so no we're just saying that you are at the highest level and you can't get any higher than the level we're on, which means everyone you recruit that, that has aspirations of playing, you know, professional basketball, the highest level of collegiate basketball they can play. We'll always entertain schools that are are in those conferences. So I think it, it really helps us there. I think we've got already seen a lot of uh, excitement from 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 recruits about you know the possibilities of us being in another conference, you know. And, and we and we enjoyed where we were. Don't get me wrong. We like being in the conference we're in as far as how competitive it is. The coaches that are in this league are terrific. The players are very talented. It's just that you know the perception is that. You know, it's 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 a better conference from standpoint of size and uh and ability of uh being able to have more resources to, to allocate. So it's it's exciting times. Everyone here is looking forward to it. No question, no question. The the uh, Big Twelve is a extreme. That's like you said, a Power Five conference. For my some of our listeners, Power Five conferences. That's the ACC, the SEC, the Pac Twelve, the Big Ten, and the Big Twelve. Those are the five. When they say power five conferences, that's what they're talking about. No, about definitely. Those those are your five conferences. And, yeah. and so uh, there are not many of them, of course, and not many schools in those conferences. So it's definitely an honor to be, you know, to be selected as one of those one of those universities. And so I think that's why everyone is, you know, so excited about, you know, the future and, and everything that goes along with it. And in the Big 12 has been, I think, voted probably out of the last five years, three or four out of the last five years, it's been voted the number one basketball conference. So, you know, that speaks for itself, too, that not only are you going to a terrific conference, but you're going, in my sport, you're going to, you know, arguably one of the best basketball conferences out there. And they're even saying, you know, with Texas and Oklahoma leaving, but with the addition of Cincinnati, Houston, BYU, and, and UCF, you know, it'll still be rated as, as one of the top conferences in that D-top basketball conference in the country. So, uh, the future's bright, and so we're all excited about that. Yeah, as well you should. Which will bring me now to what I want to talk a little bit about you and the ACC, because I'm a big, you know, I'm a big ACC guy myself. Love ACC, and you being a Duke and whatnot. And um, a lot of people don't know you. You were National Player of the Year in 1986, and you know I followed your career a long time. Talk a little bit about being recruited to Duke. I know you uh, you had a tough choice to make between Roanoke College. Division three school that I was coaching at, <laughs> and Duke. I know my coach Shesky beat me on you, but you know, talk a little bit about getting recruited to Duke. I heard about well, that. 
Well, I tell you, it was it was a, you know it was, a, it was an amazing process. Uh, they got on me early, and uh, and they stayed on me. Uh, they they were the most seemed to be the most committed team with regards to recruiting me, spending time. Uh, seemed like they were at a number of my games. Uh, you know, calling me, reaching out to me. And they really invested in me. You know, and that that's what you saw. You know, you saw that I was a priority. You know, the entire you know the entire process. I'm talking about tenth, eleventh grade, all the way through, and. Uh, I didn't get to meet Coach K and, and who he was. I mean, very similar to who he is now. Just uh, just an unbelievable communicator, you know, really good guy. Just, he, you know, he, you know, I really felt comfortable and I really trusted his vision for the program and his vision for me. You know, I thought his vision for me and, I, and the program, you know, they, they were perfect for what I was looking for. And so it was a great fit. And it, it turned out to be everything that he said, you know, everything that, he said, and that he was, you know, aspiring for the program to accomplish. We did, and then we were able to, you know, move forward from there. And the program has never looked back. And for me, you know, I had a wonderful experience. You know, I wouldn't have traded my time there with anyone. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I strongly encourage anybody that's listening here to go to, our, I think, probably YouTube or whatever, and, and Google the Duke documentary about how you guys supposedly saved his job. When all you guys came in, you and you and uh, and Tommy Amaker and, and all you guys came in. No, it was a great experience. I mean, we just were very fortunate to be, you know, at the right place at the right time. Uh, you know, like I said, you know, our time was special because we were starting to, you know, establish the program. You know, Duke had had some 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 tremendous years in the seventies, some tremendous years in the sixties, and then the Coach Case, you know, tenure, of course, in the eighties. That was our time, and we had a chance to kind of, you know, take the program to new heights, and and I thought we were able to do that, and uh, you know, it took a lot of a lot of effort from a lot of people. Like I said, you know, I'm a big believer in one or two players, you know, doesn't get that done. You know, we were very fortunate to be a part of it, and 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 honored to be. But you know, it was we had we had really good teammates. You know, we had really good players on our team, very competitive guys. You know, everyone was very competitive. Everyone. For the most part, it comes from like winning programs in high school. So everyone's accustomed to winning. So when we get there our first year, we go 11 and 17. So most of us had never lost <laughs> probably 11 games. Yeah. We felt like, oh, wow. you know, during our high school careers. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little there, but I mean, basically we had won a lot. So to only win seven, I mean, 11 games in our first year, uh, that was tough. But, but you know, adver- you're going to face adversity. And, and for what our guys, you know, when we face that, I think it really helped us galvanize. It helped us grow. And uh, I know we all were determined that that would never happen again. And, and immediately the following year, we turned that around. And uh, we, were ranked, we were ranked at one point in the top 25, made the NCAA tournament that next year. And, and the rest is history. Went on to continue to do bigger and better things each and every year after that. So it was, a, it was an, you know, an amazing experience. It was an amazing turnaround of a program. To just think, Rick, to go from 11 and 17 our first year to a 37 and three our last year. <laughs> what? I mean, wow. can you imagine that? Look at the numbers that uh, that we were able to accumulate over mm-hmm. that time to finish with 37 wins. And at the time, that record stood, I think 37 wins stood for at least 20, 20 plus years as the most wins ever in, in collegiate history. I think, uh, I forget which team broke it. Maybe it was Memphis or uh, or someone, I think maybe Memphis may have broke the record with 38 or someone got it. Yeah. Kentucky. It, 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 was, it was either Memphis or Kentucky. I know, I know it was a Calipari team. I just can't, re- I just can't recall which, but uh, that record stood for a long time. Wow. Wow. That's great. But, 
you know, then when let's go let's switch gears for a minute a little bit, go into your your pro career. I know you were number number one, first round pick, number ten. Uh, talk a little bit about your nine years in the NBA, which was awesome. Well, it was a dream come true. You know, I you know I, I that was my dream since I could remember. You know, I wanted to be an NBA basketball player, and uh, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to you know to, to really to play against the best. You know, whenever you're competing, you know, or doing anything in life, you you know, whether it's competing in, in the sport or in the job market, anyway, you know, you just want to be the best. You know, my father used to always say, you know, if you're going to be, a, you know, a street sweeper, be the best street sweeper. In other words, whatever you do, do it to the best of your abilities. And so that's what I wanted to do. I was fortunate to have a career that led me to the NBA, as you said, the 10th pick. And it was, a, it was an amazing journey. You know, when you're 10th pick, basically, that would be a lottery pick in today's world. It wasn't a lottery pick then because there were only like 22, 23 teams. <laughs> but now with 30 teams, that would have been a lottery pick. And so I was there when, you know, there were a lot less teams. And so you can imagine how many good players were on every roster. And uh, our first year was a struggle. You know, we didn't win very many games. Uh, shoot, we won probably in our 20s. <laughs> just think I'm just coming off of a, a college year where I won 37 games. I'm winning 20-something in, in, during a, <laughs> an 82-game season. So that was hard for me to swallow as a competitor. You know, it's tough to go outside and want to spend time, speak to anyone. Cause I just don't like losing. I never did. I, I, I hate it. And so I didn't want to be out in the public, you know, you know, I just was embarrassed, you know? And so the following year we actually turned things around, made to the playoffs my second year in San Antonio, uh, which was a great feat for us. And so, you know, it's kind of fun to see that. And then, you know, then it's, you know, it's fate would have my, 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 my third year, you know, I have a freak injury. I have an, a uh, perineal nerve loss, which means I, knew, I, lose, I, I lose a nerve in my leg. It goes dead. And so I missed some odd 50, 60-plus games that year after getting off to a tremendous start. You know, I'll get off to a start where I'm probably having 17, 18 a game, probably, you know, seven, you know, seven assists or so a game. And, and uh, just, you know, I had perineal nerve loss. And, you know, from that, you know, I tried to play, you know, with, 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 with the nerve loss, I tried to play about five or six games. And so, of course, my stats went, you know, woefully down, getting zeros across the board pretty much at everything I did. Because I'm out there playing on one leg. I couldn't even move my foot. I couldn't wiggle a toe. <laughs> they, strapped, wow. they, strapped me in, they strapped me in a device that kept my foot at 90 degrees and, and, and stuffed it in my shoe. And I literally tried to play. And finally, I said, look, I just can't keep doing this. I was destroying my numbers. It wasn't helping us win. So I was like, you know, it's not helping us win and destroying my numbers. It just you know, you know, it made me look like I was a lot worse player than I was. So I was, so I sat the rest of the year out, you know, thankfully I did heal and, uh, you know, I ended up being traded to the Sixers healthy and we went on to win the Atlantic conference that next year. So we had a great run, you know, beat Cleveland in the first round of the playoffs. They had a great team with, 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 uh, Mark Price, Matt Doherty. I mean, sorry. I mean, Brad, Brad Doherty, Doherty, as well as exactly as well as, Larry Nance and, and Craig Elo yeah. and those guys, they had a really good team. We ended up beating them in the first round. Then we ended up losing to the Bulls in the second round. And so we had a great run. And then after that, you know, I come back for the following year and, you know, four games in, playing terrific again, probably averaging 17, 18, 19 points a game and seven and a half assists or so. Going into my fourth game, I'm playing my fourth game and, you know, Bam, I blow my ACL out, career-ending injury, supposedly. <laughs> so in my fourth year, I have a career-ending injury, and I'm sitting out, and I'm wondering, okay, how's this going to work out? You know, I was given, you know, the advice, hey, you can just retire because, you know, you, you know, that's a career-ending injury. And I, I told the owner of the team, I said, look, I'm not going to retire. I'm going to come back. 
And so it was only a handful of guys in the history of the game at that point that ever attempted to come back or have come back from that injury. I want to say Bernard King was one, and he probably yes. was the most notable guy. And yep. so I came back, you know, and I, I came back to play, you know, four or five more seasons, but I really was never the same. You know, I was dragging my leg around. The surgeries weren't like they are now. Uh, the rehabs weren't, weren't like they are now. You know, now guys come back jumping higher and running faster. And I did the injury because of everything you had to go through with the surgery. You know, it was a tough recovery. And my game, you know, relied on speed and quickness and driving and slashing. And now, you know, I have a leg that I'm not trusting to be able to push off and explode off and do those things. And so it made for a long, you know, next, you know, said next four or five years or so where uh, just dragging a leg around and uh, just frustrated, really. So when I had the chance to continue to play for a 10th season, you know, I opted out. A coach wanted me to play. Hey, we'd love to have you come in. And I just told him, you know, I said, look, I'm going to be truthful with you. You know, I'll just be stealing your money. And uh, I'll never forget the coach said to me, said, man, John, I just want to thank you for your honesty. And that wow. was the last that was the last look at the NBA for me. And I could have I could have took the money and and I uh, played one more year. And I just I didn't think it was right. I didn't think I was but I couldn't help as a competitor. You know, I was just going to bring the team down and, and they're counting on me. I, that's not for me. You know, I'm all about winning and and want to be in a position where I can help and mentor young people and help win by contributing on the floor. And, and that was no longer in the cards for me. Hey, man, that, that's extremely impressive, Johnny. It is. It is. Hey, I did want to ask you before we uh, move on from that, because uh, I actually forgot who was there when you um, in 87, when you got the chance to uh, be in the slam dunk comp. Um, I think you came in six. But uh, who, who was who was in that one? <laughs> Michael Jordan. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, Dominic that, that, Wilkins. That. Yep. Dominic Wilkins. It was it was a, uh, you know, <laughs> Terrence Stansberry. He was oh. really talented. Oh Ron Hopper, I want to say. Oh my God! I mean, it was it was it was it was a, it was a, it was a heck of a cast of, uh, of 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 athletes that were in it. Was Jerome Kersey may have been in it as well, but it was it was it was really really good. But you know, I'll give you a story about that about for your young listeners about preparation. You know, I was invited to be in the dunk contest. That was my rookie year, remember? And I was telling you how frustrating that year was. Didn't want to be out, depressed really, and. I'll never forget, you know, being invited to the dunk contest. And I didn't want to go. And I told my, you know, management, I declined the offer. And they were like, you know, you should go represent San Antonio, represent the organization. And they were right about that. And so reluctantly, I, I decided to go. But the thing I didn't do is I didn't prepare. I didn't prepare. And so I went there unprepared because my heart wasn't in it. And, and so I didn't have the performance that I would have wanted to have and, I, and that's a regret I look back and like I said that's a little unprofessional but I, I do regret that because that was a choice I made and uh and I didn't do it and and that I'm not saying I would have won it but I know I would have performed better because I'd have been prepared and so from that day to this you know the one thing because I had always been prepared for my sport always you know and and that was so I, I learned that lesson and whatever I do whatever I get into my heart has to always be in it and I always gonna prepare as, as best I can and so I, I, I've taken those lessons in coaching taking them in life and anything I choose to do and for young people you know that choice of if you're going to choose to do something choose to do it to the best of your ability like I said if you're going to be the street sweeper be the best street sweeper if you're going to be in a dunk contest and you you accept then go perform to the best of your abilities and prepare to perform to your best of your abilities. And that's a, a lesson that I think a lot of young people can take going forward because it's just a choice. And, uh, and, and like I said, I regret not making that choice. And I've never let that happen again in my career. 
Hey, we agree with you on that, but, um, you know, you didn't do too bad coming sixth place no, no. with that kind of competition, though, brother. No, 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 I didn't think I did bad, but I missed some easy dunks that I, that I normally would make that I knew would have scored higher. And I just, the, the moment, because I wasn't prepared, you know, for it, you know, it kind of, you know, put me in a position where I didn't complete a dunk or two that I know that were, that were easy dunks for me to growing up that I had done probably since high school. But uh, I hadn't done them in so long, and the year was so frustrating. And, and uh, that, uh, you know, like I said, you, you, your heart just wasn't in it to the level yeah. it needed to be. And uh, if your heart's not in something, you shouldn't do it. I mean, that's why whatever I do, you know, I want my heart to be in it. You know, I coach because I love what I do. You know, the, the moment that I'm that passionate about it, the moment I don't think I can help the young student athletes I get a chance to mentor and interact with every day, then I know it's time for me to do something else. Good one. Well, I tell you, I guess you – most people have been following all the controversy over the All-Star weekend last weekend about the slam dunk contest, supposedly how bad it was, and they were talking about changing the format, and it was, it was a lot of controversy over that. I listened to NBA radio a lot, and they were talking about it was just it was just a farce com compared to what it was, you know, like your years and how the best players aren't going uh, to play in these things. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Well, well, I, well, you know, you know, on that note, I just think that you have to find a way to incentivize the best to be a part of it. You know, you have to find the guys that are going to attract the fans and attract the supporters to be out there to really, you know, get behind it. Because if they don't get behind it and there's no excitement behind it, then he's not going to have a, a great production. And so there are these guys are very, very competitive. You know, you're not going to play in the NBA or any professional sport if you want a, you know, real competitive person. So there's some ways, and I'm not even talking like financially, I think you have to be able to appeal to these guys in some ways to really get them to understand, you know, what this means to the league. Like if you know the history of the league, you know, you really want to be a part of that, you know, because if you know the history and looking back, you know, well before my time, I'm, you know, I'm looking back at Dr. J and guys that I looked at when they were in a dunk contest, when they were establishing it to that level. And you look back and, you know, you know, just want to honor those guys and want to do your part. So if you're invited, you know, whether you're an all-star or, you, or you're the 12th man on the roster, if you're invited, it's an honor. And uh, no different than being invited to, you know, the Olympics or, you know, or something like that. You know, it's, it's an honor to be invited to that because the only select few people will ever have that opportunity. So you should really take a hard look at, you know, wanting to be a part of it and, and doing your part not just for yourself, but doing your part for the league. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great brand and uh, it's made better when you have, you know, the best that can accomplish certain things, whether it's dunk contests or the best shooters, the three point shooting contest. It just, it just continues to enhance, you know, this business that, that we all are in and that we all, I'm sure are very grateful for the opportunities that it has provided for us because, you know, I look back on my life and you know, it's changed my life being a part of the NBA and, and everything that it that it provided for me and my family, and uh, I'm just I'm eternally grateful for that. And uh, and uh, that's what I want to see more young people that have those opportunities, you know, take advantage of them because, uh, you, you, like I said, you don't get them back. That's right. That's, that's right. true. Hey, we all start out with that dream, you know, when we when we're playing yeah. when we're young, you know, and and the ones that break through, we know how competitive in America it is in basketball. You know, uh, even Michael Jordan said once, you know. Uh, the way he knew he was on top of his game is when he go back home and play or when he plays big brother, you know, it's like we all had something to ground us, but we also knew that the comp 
to get there, the road to get there was hellacious, man. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Just think, you know, I, I went to college. I was 6'1", 152. <laughs> you know, I look back on that and people, man, told me all the way up to college and, and pretty much till to, to, to the NBA that I was too small and I would never make it. And but that, you know, that just motivated me. That's just drove yeah. me. We, we use those things. Like sometimes people forget, you know, you need those things to give you that extra edge, to give you that hunger. Those things, even though, you know, I looked at it as a slight, it, it was a great motivator for me to, to, to just work that much harder to prove those people wrong and that I was going to be able to accomplish it. Yeah. I'm with you on that. <laughs> uh, that kind of leads me to another question I was, I was thinking about, Johnny. I know with this recruiting stuff going on, which is like recruiting lifeline of your program. We all know that when you're out recruiting and for UCF, what are some of the things, attributes that you look at in young players? I mean, because obviously they got, it's got to be the right fit. We all know Absolutely. that. Well, for us, I mean, we're looking at three things. You know, one, we're looking at character. You know, by getting to know the people around yes. the young men we're recruiting, getting to know the, the young man that we're recruiting, just watching his interaction with his teammates, his family members, you know, just getting to know, you know, you got, you know, we're looking for a high character, you know, individuals. Of course, you know, we're looking for kids that, that want to be in college, you know, that, that, that have an interest in academics. They want to learn. They, 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 they're, they're excited about getting a college education, hopefully getting a college degree. They understand the importance of that for their future. And then lastly, of course, we got to look at guys who are talented. You got to have talent. You're not going to win at this level without talent. I mean, people can, you know, everybody here can coach. There's only 300 plus jobs. So all these guys are good coaches, but they've earned that right to be at this level. So you know they can all coach. So now it's a function of trying to make sure that you find, like you said, the lifeblood of what makes the program run is, is, is talent. That's your recruits. And so you have to find the players that fit your system and, and what you do the best. Yeah, you're right. You know, Johnny, a funny story. I heard a guy at a coach's clinic. I don't know. It's been probably 10 years ago. was talking and, and he obviously wasn't a Duke fan. And he said, uh, he made this statement. He said, the only reason Coach K wins is because he gets good players. And I, and I started laughing. All of a sudden, it hit me around. I said, wait a minute now. So the good coaches get the good players and the bad coaches get the bad players. That's the way that works. When no, I, no, no. What happens? Come on, man. You look at, you look at, you look at, you look at a coach. You know, you, you just gotta remember. Well, before he was winning, he didn't get the quote unquote all all Americans. He was winning. Exactly. He was winning. He was winning before he got all the all Americans. So you don't, you know, you don't get an opportunity to get those guys unless you've been successful coaching without them. And so, so he's had a lot of success coaching without without those type of players. You know, during my time, we didn't have a whole, we didn't have a roster full of all Americans. I think when I came, I was the. He, the only one on the team, I believe, at the time. So, uh, and we we did McDonald's we, we all were American. Very, we were very successful. Yeah, that was uh, that was. I always thought that was kind of comical. I kind of never forgot that statement. I was just it was just joking, but you know that could be any coach. You know, you know, coach is going to win unless he got good players. You know, it was, oh, absolutely. Patino had said, "You don't win the Kentucky Derby with a jackass." <laughs> and that was another one kind of stuck out of my mind. But oh. let me get your opinion. Johnny, if I could, on these NILs and stuff, these players getting paid now. I know that was – you grew up in an era like me when that was strictly illegal. Now it's legal. Well, it's, it's, it's you know, I have, I have no, nothing against the young people, you know, you know, taking advantage of their name, image, and likeness. I really don't. There's an opportunity for those guys 
to, uh, to, to generate revenue for themselves and their families, you know, that's, that's, that's fine. I mean, the thing I'd like to see happen is that, you know, we continue to educate these young people on what to do for the guys who do end up generating, you know, a decent amount of income because most of the kids aren't going to generate that type. It's just the market won't bear that. But for the guys, for the few select guys who do, I just hope they're taking, you know, financial, you know, literacy courses. I'm hoping there are people yes. that are showing them exactly what they should be doing, you know, with their finances uh, to make sure these young people are, you know, able to not just make that type of money, but to keep it. And so that's what I hope that we continue to educate these guys and whether it's an on-campus course or whether they have something, you know, through the athletic department where they're teaching these young people about how to manage money. And that doesn't, you know, for the, especially for the ones who are making it, but even for the ones who aren't, because eventually they're going to be out of college and they're going to have to learn how to have a budget. They're going to learn, you know, about their expenses. They're going to learn about, you know, taxes on their money. These are things that are, be, are very important. And the, the sooner you learn it, the better head start you have on life because you won't make some of the mistakes and have some of the pitfalls that a lot of not just athletes have, but regular students have when they leave college. So just to continue to help those, to educate these guys so they're prepared to to, to step out in the world with their best foot forward. That's, okay, that's now, a great point. I got one more, Rick. I'll, we'll get him to look into his crystal ball real quick. Who are you coaching that we should be watching? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you know, I have, I have, a, I have a, uh, you know, a, a terrific group of guys. And, uh, you know, we have a guy uh, that is probably exciting to watch, a guy, C.J. Walker, really exciting player to watch. Uh, just just tremendous athlete, top 5% athlete on any on any level. You know, I'm talking about professional level, NBA level, our level. He's just top 5% athlete. Just, but uh, just continually developing. Like, he still is working and getting better, but his upside, his potential – is huge. I think he has a chance to be as good as he wants to be. Uh, that's someone that I think that 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 that's worth watching. Uh, how, how tall is he? Uh, he's a six eight. Uh, he's a six eight junior. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I have a freshman point guard who who's really really coming into his own these last four or five games. He's really starting to play the way we thought he'd play. Uh, you know, last four or five games with eight points and seven rebounds, five and six assists. So we're flirting with getting close to triple doubles, you know, out there uh, just with his activity, how hard he plays. And so these are some guys, you know, there's a few guys. I have a shooter, Darren Green, who hit the, hit the three-point shot the other night versus ECU. I mean, beautiful stroke, deep range, uh, just a pure shooter. You know, you give him a look at Sweet. it, you know, you're going to feel like it's going in every time. Sweet. Yeah, that's – man, I – there have been some good young players. Come, like, my favorite young player right now is that Ja Morant. He is – Oh, yeah, he's tough. <laughs> that's my favorite young kid to watch nowadays, you know. So, he's yeah. – uh, it'd be good to see some more talent like that come up. Oh, he's great. Well, CJ, we don't know how much time we got left, but I, I want to talk to Johnny a little bit, get his opinion. I know Not his opinion, but his view. Um, a lot of things been talked about culture developing a team culture. I know they talk in Miami Heat culture and and now the Duke culture and all this stuff is coming up. What's your opinion on developing and sustaining a positive culture, Johnny? What, what do you think about that? Well, I think it's important. If, if you're going to have sustained excellence, you have to have a great culture. You know, that's just that, you, you know, one, you know, one goes with the other. So, uh, you know, getting there is one thing, as you know, but Staying there is, is where what it what becomes very difficult. You now you can get there, like make the NCAA tournament, but how do you stay there year after year? 
you know, that's your culture. You know, we had a tough, for us, a good example is, you know, a few years ago we made it and it was great. And then, you know, pretty much we lost all of those guys that were key contributors to what we were doing. And so our culture took a hit because we didn't have that one guy that returned and we could have had a guy to return, but they chose to do other things. And when they did, you know, because they weren't there to continue to keep our culture, you know, we kind of took a hit. And so then we had to, you know, with that combined with COVID, you know, on top of it, you know, it's kind of changed, you know, what we have to do. So now we have to go about doing that again. And that's, that's okay. We're, that's what we're going to do. But, you know, you want to get that culture in place because that helps you sustain your excellence. Uh, you know, it's got to be team first. You know, I think whenever you develop in a culture, you know, words like team first come to mind to me. You have to, you know, it has to be all about the team because if the team has success, we always say everybody's going to eat if the team wins. So if we win, everybody's going to get more, probably even more than you deserve because you won. And so, but if you lose, the exact opposite is going to happen. Everybody's going to get a lot less probably than more you, even what you probably deserve. So, you, you know, it's all about how do you win because that's going to, you know, permeate through everyone. Everyone's going to be viewed through that lens of being a winner, which means more people will be excited about you in basketball and beyond. And so that's what we try to teach our guys. It's got to be a team first mentality. You know, our culture has to be, you know, our older players have got to set the example and have these young guys following exactly what we want as a staff and what those players have come to understand are important things for us to be successful. The things that we have to do, whether we on or off the court a certain way, and uh, our upperclassmen have to carry that because if they don't set that example. That's where your culture starts to take a hit. So we're very, you know, big in having our upperclassmen lead, have our upperclassmen set the proper examples, and you know, young players follow and learning exactly what they have to do to be successful on this level. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. You know, Johnny, it's ironic you say that. We had another Duke guy on Gene Banks uh, back before Christmas. And uh, he he mentioned some of the same things. He was in those transition years from Bill Foster to Coach K. I don't know if he played for Coach K for one year. But he was talking about those very same things that you just said. About no, hey, hey, Gene was incredible. Gene was, was just so you know, the ultimate team guy. Like I, I, didn't, I never played with Gene, but every story at Duke that, I, that people I knew played with him, they all said the same thing. He was the ultimate team guy. As talented as he was, he was always about the team success, always about the team, you know, and, and he was willing to sacrifice whatever he had to sacrifice to make sure the team had the type of success and competed for the type of championships and things that, that he thought the team should be competing for. So, you know, I have a great deal of respect for him because – as you know, he's one of the top players that, to come out of uh, high school, out of uh, out of Philly to go down to Duke. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he bought he bought a winning spirit to that to that program. And uh, like I said, that people even to this day that talk about him, who played with him all say the same thing about him that he was the ultimate team guy. Awesome, awesome. Okay, my man. Look like we're gonna wrap this one up, man. We really appreciate you giving us some of your time. Uh, and we definitely, uh, you know, going to try to get you back on here again. And Rick, uh, man, we keep, we keep doing so good. looks like I got to get another plane ticket for another guest. Get out here to Australia. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been to Australia, but I hear hear it's nice. (laughs) We building this, man, we, we, this is our second plane of ticket. Man, I'm going to be broke. I'm going to be on welfare soon. (laughs) 
Uh, I knew you guys are doing a terrific job, man. Just keep on serving our young people because that's where it is. As you know, thank you, my man. Thank you. And we appreciate you. Get back to them, you know, just pay it forward. You know, we all in these positions that we're in. Well, you know, you know how fortunate we all are. And so try to keep on helping these young people. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm sure that's what Rick and I'm sure you're doing too, CJ. Yeah, yeah, man. Appreciate I, it. Appreciate um, it. And we definitely, we definitely gonna have you back as a guest because uh, uh, there's a lot more that could be said here. That's you know no, good info. I got, I got twelve, ten or twelve more questions I want to answer. I love talking to Johnny Dawkins. He's one of my favorite players. There you go. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, guys. Well, look, well, enjoy, 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 enjoy the rest of your day. All right, guys. Thank everybody, you so much, have, everybody have You're a welcome. good weekend, and thank you, thank you, thank you, Rick. And we'd like uh, thank everybody for tuning in to another ABA one-on-one. Everybody, hey, Johnny, we'll let you know when this thing goes live. Have a okay, good one. Okay, that'd be great. Please do. <laughs> all right, my friends. You all take care, man. Take care. Take care. All right. Sassy B Worldwide Productions, with over twenty-five years of entertainment experience, we have done it all celebrity appearances, red carpet events, image consultation, and branding design. Our clients range from American football stars to Hollywood celebrities and everyone in between. Want to make a splash in the entertainment industry? Then it's time to get sassy. SassyBeeWorldwide.com Well, that's going to do it for this week. Remember, you can keep up with every episode by subscribing via our website. Follow us on social media and tell your friends about us. Next week, new guests, more basketball tips, more basketball stories about the game we all love. Till then, be safe and keep your eyes on the ball. Bones.